1: Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today, I have joining us Blake Morgan. Blake, welcome to Sales Lead Dog.
2: You know, I love sales and I love dogs. So I feel like I was (laughs) meant to be on your show.
1: (laughs) I love that, that you're the first one that's ever said that to me uh, like that. Um, That's great. Um, So Blake, you are you're pretty accomplished. You are a, a very highly rated keynote speaker. You're an author, um, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But tell me how you tell me your story. How did you get where you are today?
2: I wanted to be somebody. I wanted to be somebody. I was nobody. And I thought this really isn't very fun. I moved to New York City where everybody who wants to be somebody moves. I had no money, I had no job prospects, I had this measly internship. But my dreams were shattered when I realized that the print industry was no longer an easy thing, that there were no jobs. And I ended up being recruited by a conference company that was really like, how can I describe it? Extremely intense, high turnover, really not the easiest company to work for. But I ended up thriving there. And five years later, I had my own brand, doing customer management, helping to turn an old offline conference company into a savvy hybrid digital and um, real life events company. And that was uh, 12 years ago. Had my own podcast on customer experience, but we didn't call it that. We didn't have the language. So we called it CRM. And then I met my husband. So that was a major game changer in my life. When I was 25 years old and I was sick of my life in New York, I wasn't healthy. I wasn't sleeping a lot. Uh, I didn't like the prospects there because I wanted to get married and have family. But I met my husband at a CRM conference, which you'll appreciate in Atlanta. He was the cutest, youngest guy there. We had too much in common. It was weird. He came to New York two weeks later for an event as a speaker, and we just were best friends instantly, and honestly, we're constantly together. He saw me move to San Francisco, next, uh, be with him, to be with him, and try and find jobs, and I kept failing miserably. After my five-year job in New York, every startup job I had, I worked for abusive Entrepreneurial crazy town bosses. Um, Then I worked at a corporate company and I was laid off after two years. I just realized something's wrong. Either I'm really messed up and I can't have a real job, or I've just, I'm not, I don't have the right fit for a career. And I watched my husband, I had a front seat to his success. So I watched him become an internationally known keynote speaker. And here I am flailing, working for other people, being miserable. Uh, Eventually I figured out, you know, you're a very good speaker, Jacob, my husband, you were, you took acting classes as a teenager, but I can kind of fake my way through a speech. I can do this. He said to me, Blake, if you want what I have, if you want freedom, if you want money, if you want to be the uh, captain of your own ship, you can work for yourself, but you have to learn how to speak in public. And I thought, oh dear God, help me. It's my worst nightmare. Here I am seven years later and have a thriving business, and I'm doing it. And I'm bringing my message that the world needs to hear, which is that if you make customers' lives easier and better, you will always have customers. And that's why I write the books. That's why I travel the world doing my speaking events is to bring this human message of, to business of treating people while well, caring about one another. It's very simple but in practice it becomes hard for these corporations to implement. So that's my story.
1: Yeah oh I love that. It's a great story and and that's one of the things I love about doing the podcast is everyone has such a unique journey and yeah. uh, it's always wonderful to hear you know the, the, the backstory of what's behind the curtain so to speak. So the book is that we're going to talk about today is the customer the future. Um, which is a very intriguing title. How'd you come up with that title?
2: But I knew I wanted to write about the future. And for the past 10 years, I've been talking about the future of if we treat people well, they come back. The technology, all this stuff, it changes, it innovates. But at the heart of this is a message of treating people well, making people's lives easier and better. The customer of the future If you write a customer experience book, you better make sure that customer experience people will recognize it's for them because there's a lot of books out there. So the art of creating a title for a book, it's actually very hard. Even if the book seems very simple, it's got, you know, we had 20 names for the title. The customer of the future, she's already here. She expects this zero friction, seamless experience. She's not getting one. She's getting this disjointed, clunky experience. We have the technology we saw with COVID. We had all this technology to do all these things to make the experience easier, but we hadn't done it. COVID forced us to get creative, to create this contactless customer experience, to allow our employees to work remotely. We were forced to do it. So the customer of the future, COVID sped that up it's a seamless, easier, digital experience. And the title I think was a good one. It, it resonates with people uh, because oh, yeah. the customer of the future is really the customer of the present, but we can't, but we don't see her. We don't understand how pressing it is to make life, to make it happen for her.
1: Yep. So the rest of the title, the 10 guiding principles for winning tomorrow's business, we're gonna talk about three of those. Um, if you wanna hear the rest, the, regular, uh, the rest of the uh, remaining seven, you gotta buy the book. Okay, but yeah. we're gonna talk about three. <laughs> okay. So the first one, chapter one, customer experience mindset. Um, I, I love how you started off this chapter. You talk about 72% of companies say it is their top priority. If that's the case, why do so many customer experiences just suck? Why is it like that?
2: You know, it's kind of like getting in shape. Like we all want to be in shape, but when it actually comes to putting the cookie down or waking up at five thirty to get on the treadmill, most of us don't want to do put in the work. People hate when I use fitness and exercise analogies, but maybe because I had a baby, they'll be nice to me and allow me to do it because I had to I get it's back a in shape. Perfect
1: analogy. It's spot on. <laughs> you know?
2: Well, I don't want to be insensitive, but. You know, these things are hard, they're so hard. If they weren't hard, everyone would have them. And the hard work with being a a competitive company that jumps up in the morning, excited to serve the customer. There's a lot of stuff that happens even when we have good intentions. So good intentions are important, but what happens when, oh my gosh, it's gonna cost $2,000 to deliver that Peloton treadmill to that customer four weeks earlier than we had said because she has a wedding she needs to get in shape for or this dog food delivery it, it the, the bag came ripped and our customer Chris with his dog Athena it's the name my dog so I can remember that you know they're very disappointed that the bag was ripped so what are we going to do for them to fix this okay that's going to cost money or our uh, truck driver is going to have to drive back out to wherever to so you see that In theory, it's easy to say, the customer is the heart of everything we do. But what does that look like when we make decisions across the entire company? The customer gets lost. We gotta make money now. We gotta make our board happy, short-term profits. All these things get in the way. Legacy, uh, bureaucracy, these islands we sit on. I used to work at a Fortune 100 company. No one talked to each other. We all hoarded our data and work toward these monthly performance metrics that really weren't in line with customer experience. So there's a couple of things to remember from what I'm saying. One is that, is the customer the center of everything that you do across the company in every meeting? That is not easy to do. The second thing is what metrics are we holding ourselves to? Because everyone listening to this podcast or watching this on YouTube, Those of us that have jobs, we're so blessed to have jobs, but we have to know if we're being successful. If you treasure something, you'll measure it. What's measured gets improved. These are very age old adages. What are we measuring? What the things that we measure, that's what our employees are going to work toward. We can't get mad at our employees if like, if the folks listening to this podcast are in sales, if we only incentivize our salespeople to make more sales and make as much money as possible. And customers that are longtime customers get uh, treated badly and we're not incentivizing salespeople to go the extra mile for all customers. We can't get mad at our salespeople because we created that by not focusing on the right metrics. So a couple of things is it's very hard to make the customer the focus of everything you do. How do we scale that across the company? Most companies don't do that well. They're too siloed to even begin. And then we're measuring the wrong things as far as what our employees are doing.
1: Yeah, you talk about that in the book about and you mentioned that a little bit what you just said that we're so focused on the short term we forget that it's all about creating that brand loyalty. That you know that that loyalty that goes beyond this transaction to where we're going to get you know long term have that long term relationship and those follow on transactions.
2: Well, loyalty died during COVID because people like me, I had a baby during COVID. Do you think I cared about loyalty? Absolutely not. I was going to go with safety, efficiency, convenience, loyalty. No, thank you. Don't care about that. And so we see in tough times, customers are much more picky. They're very happy to abandon the companies they've done business with for years. It's really about Darwinism. What are the companies that are innovating to serve a customer that is stressed out, that is terrified of getting COVID. It's really only about innovation, about standing out by working harder on customer experience. And I think that's what matters most is understanding that customers today are not as loyal as they were because we're in unprecedented times, we're still dealing with COVID and Delta And the companies that want to win today cannot rest. They have to continue to iterate and pivot and shift with these very challenging realities.
1: But you got to do what you can to protect that loyalty, though, whatever you do have, right? In terms of like through innovation, through that intense focus on the customer experience that, you know, that takes into account, like you're saying, the fear people have or their personal situations that, you know, I just had a baby and I don't wanna leave my house. I don't wanna expose my child to whatever. Um, having that level of understanding, it, it takes that, having that connection and understanding with the customer. How do, you know, what, custom, what, what companies do this well? What companies do a good job with customer experience?
2: Yeah, so some companies have an incredible product that's very relevant, like Peloton. They have an incredible product, is extremely well done, It's very modern, it's convenient, amazing user interface, amazing personalization, quality of the bike. The Peloton is this bike that basically you can take a spin class from the comfort of your own home gym. Uh, However, I've heard sometimes, you know, service can be delayed, Bike uh, getting the bike can be delayed. Same with Tesla, like another incredible product. Um, and, And I'm saying this just from what I've heard that I think Peloton is a very innovative company. I've actually never had a problem with the bike, so I can't say the service is bad. I have heard, unfortunately, I love to talk about Tesla because they are doing so much right with, to me, the modern customer experience. The product is incredible. The product runs, the car runs on a computer, on a tablet. This is incredible. Little things in the car that are just amazing. Like you don't need to use the brake and everything is personalized to you. Um, so the dashboard, when you Chris get in the car, it knows it's Chris, not Blake in the front driver's seat. So everything shifts according to knowing that it's you there, the music, the podcasts, um, all the settings, unique settings you have on how you like to drive the car. Unfortunately with Tesla, I've heard the service. It's very hard to get a hold of a person on the phone and it's very slow to, to get the service. There's delays in shipping the car. So Sometimes you have an incredible product, even Tesla, the idea is there where it's updating itself through the cloud. So you don't need to even get the car serviced as much unless there's a real problem. However, the certain things with Tesla, it's like the company is so cool and so hot and so tech forward that they don't have to work as hard as another company that staffs up more. Something that's happened during COVID that I want every company listening to this podcasting to be aware of is this whole: due to COVID, your average wait time is expected 45 to 60 minutes. This is not acceptable. If you call your company's contact center and there is a lame excuse about COVID and you can't get the staff, oh dear God, just kill me. Do not release this to customers. All it says is that you're cheap. You don't wanna spend the money on staffing and you're using COVID as an excuse. We know that winners in life, you gotta get things done. There's no excuse. No one cares why you couldn't deliver. You either deliver or you don't. And COVID has really made it clear the companies that have made customer experience a priority and are not making lame excuses to customers as to why they should be okay with being treated badly.
1: I couldn't agree more you know, just such a cop out, I think, to, to sit there and blame it on COVID. Um, chapter three, developing customer focused leadership. Um, as a sales leader, um, what's my role in developing customer experience?
2: Sales are incredibly important. You're in charge of relationships, Chris. You are in charge of getting people to trust you, huge. Telling them about the product, making them excited, helping them understand the value, very, very important part. But increasingly the sales with technology, what is the role of the salesperson? Is it, does it just stop when you sell them the product or are you also in service to constantly add value, to check in with the customer, to make sure they're happy? And I think that is probably a big mistake that salespeople make is that they think once they sell the product, they're done. But really, if we want to retain customers, salespeople that are in front of customers have so much rich knowledge about how they can make the experience better. So that is so important as we think about the evolving role of the salesperson, customer focused sales leadership. We don't just stop when we make the transaction. We don't treat customers like wallets. We're following through to the entire journey, continuing to check in with them, making sure they're happy, comfortable, and then providing feedback to engineering or the product creators to say, oh, John from Kentucky is having this issue with the product. I think we should go back and fix it because I'm sure if John is suffering, then other customers are suffering. So it's this loop that we've been talking about for so many years that the sales people can be a, a really important part of. And now like when I even go into a retail store, when I do, I expect a lot of personalization. I expect attention. Like Sephora does this really well. When you walk into a Sephora, they check on you. They have a team with walkie talkies, all tracking customers around the store. Every customer gets greeted every time. And you get a lot of personalized attention. With COVID, it's still hard, but they're making it happen. And I think that's what customers should expect. They expect a salesperson that personalizes the experience, that cares, and then the the salesperson follows through, not just after selling the product, but continues to check in with them. Do you know what that does, Christopher, to the salesperson?
1: They have to work, they have to be engaged, right?
2: Yeah, but it also gives them a chance to sell more product down the road. Oh, I like that product, like at Sephora, the makeup retailer. I like that product, but now it's a different season. I'm having dry skin or I'm going to a wedding. I don't know what kind of look I want. Can you give me some advice? Do you know how much we're all craving that attention right now because of COVID? So the winnings go to the salesperson that's just willing to work hard, to be organized, to use data to personalize, they will bring in so much more money than the salesperson that just wants to check the box and move on.
1: Oh, you know, there's a local furniture store here that my wife and I went in. Because of the experience we had with one particular salesperson, this is a very large place, lots of salespeople. We ask for this individual by name. If he's not there, we'll leave and we'll come back when he's working.
2: Wow, um, where, are you,
1: where know, do you live? Uh, we're in Denver um and it's just we know we're gonna get a great experience he's gonna tell us oh no you don't i wouldn't recommend that i really think you should look at this instead we've got we trust him you know and and he's not just shelling product he really wants us to have you know that when we bring it home we're going to be happy and uh you know having that level of trust that means something
2: Yes. We just moved to LA and actually a lot of our friends moved from the Bay area to Denver. We moved to LA to be near the grandparents and it's interesting to walk into stores and you see the, the the variation in customer experience in some one store called the there's one called the Joneses in LA. You have to have an appointment to go in, but you get this level of personalization that is really incredible. And then other stores you walk in, they hardly greet you. They hardly look at you Um, You you spend way less money. It's just like uh, obvious. But in the culture of these companies, you can see the sales leadership, even just with how the employees on the floor treat you, because they say culture is what happens when no one is looking, training, making, having energy, big energy, making leadership, making it, making employees realize this is important. Every moment is important. Every customer is important rather than. Yeah, you can be on your phone while you're at work, just sort of open the doors, turn the lights on. I mean, those companies are going to go out of business because, I mean, if you think of even furniture, it's interesting to me as a customer because I am furnishing a new house and I'm either going schlepping somewhere, going in there and having that experience, or I'm going on my phone and going on Wayfair and getting a much cheaper product that ships quickly. Customer service, digital service is so efficient. And for these old furniture retailers to compete with like a Wayfair, oh man, I'm scared for them.
1: Oh yeah, totally. It, it it's crazy. You know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you uh, when you at the start of chapter three, you tell a story about a company you used to work in where you had the saying, "When there's a problem, don't look up." Yeah, I, I love that. What a great way to start and set the tone for the chapter. Um, how do I yeah. know, as a sales leader, that's a problem in my organization? What should I be looking for to find out if is if that's the way our company is?
2: Yeah, thank you, Christopher, for reading my book. That means so much to me. Everybody who hasn't read it, he's referring to a Fortune 100 company worked at. When things go went wrong, they told employees, "Don't look up. So don't look to your boss to fix it. Don't look to management." And I believe that we're in really complicated times and. Leadership should be visible, should be um, reachable. And we need transformational leaders so that are there. And this culture of this company was just so strange. Even my boss, I always felt like I was a burden when I asked when I needed help. and I really didn't know what to do and I always felt directionless. So these big corporations, we want employees to make change, to get things done, but we also provide so little direction time. You know why, Chris, you know why we do this? We have our managers doing so much work. They don't have time to be people leaders because we're thinking, okay, you sell and you spend all your time producing, but also can you take care of these 10 people and also have time to exercise and feed yourself and your family and blah, blah, blah. Like, we're, we're It's not realistic. And honestly, I got out of the game. I did, I got out of corporate the corporate because I just thought, oh, this is not an experience that I want to have. Right. Not every company is like this, but the "don't look up" thing really bothered me. That you should just be able to just do everything by yourself. I think that the best companies allow employees. They have an open door policy. Employees can go tell any manager anything because. The low-level employees are often the ones who have this knowledge about bad things that are happening or potential risks. And if you have a fear culture or a culture where don't bother leadership because they're too busy in their ivory tower, this is not the modern company.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. It's that that mentality boggles my mind. Honestly, um, you know, you would think you know organizations would be smarter than that. Um, As a sales leader, um, how should I be coaching my team to have that customer experience mindset?
2: Customer experience is really simple. It's about one thing, listening. So if your salespeople spend a lot of time talking to customers, listening to them, and then doing something with that feedback, these leaders, these sales leaders will be so far ahead of anyone else. Just taking the time, listening, doing something with that information. Imagine how much better your product and service will be when you actually get the feedback from the horse's mouth to tell you, "Here's what you could be doing better."
1: Yeah, it's so true. Um, transitioning to chapter six, um, which you know, my business we implement CRM. Chapter six is customer experience technology and. You know, whenever I'm selling CRM, a big part of what I talk about when I'm trying to learn about the organization is what is their sales process? Does it end when the deal is closed? You were talking about this earlier, you know, that, and it's interesting how many companies when they're picking out technology, their focus is, okay, this is CRM's for the sales team, and we're gonna stop tracking anything in CRM once the deal is closed. And I'll ask the question, well, okay, that's this much of your, you know, the customer experience, now you got to deliver, which is this much, you know, for those of people who are listening, not I've got my hands spread really far apart. Um, you're not watching on YouTube, you have no idea what I'm doing. But, you know, it's that once you've sold, that's really when the experience begins. What are you doing to support that with technology? Can you talk about the role of technology and customer experience?
2: The most customer-focused companies today are very data-driven, so they don't just track data, but they do something with it. Okay, what's happening with our customers? They're taking our product, they're using it for a year, and then we don't hear from them. You should be interested to know where they're going, what's going wrong, what's going right, and yes, CRM should not absolutely not just be for acquiring the customer because I mean, even think about patient experience. Wouldn't that be horrible if hospitals only cared about acquisition? And then who cares when Blake or her family needs special treatment or her patient records? And any business can learn from or imagine themselves as a healthcare institution. Where they constantly, the customer constantly needs attention, needs to be checked in on, and it's not just good for the customer and their experience. It's good for business because ultimately, eventually, our lives change, our uh, realities change, and we need something else. So, are you going to be there? And if you're not, your competitor definitely will be. So, yes, CRM and technology—it should definitely not just be for acquisition. You can't think of your customers like that. Uh, They might have 10 different life kind of seasons while they're with you. Even from an insurance perspective, we sell customers insurance. We often don't talk to them even more than once a year. So we have no idea if their lives change. We have no idea if they moved or had a baby or their child is now driving and needs insurance. So it's very important to have a good CRM and constantly check in on customers and keep our data clean so we can depend on it and use it to change our approach.
1: Yeah, you know, there are certain industries like that. As you were talking, I was thinking about that. They are so not proactive in managing the customer relationship. They're very transactional and they just expect you to keep coming back to them. Um, It's mind boggling. Um, what, What advice do you have for You know, if I own one, I'm listening and I've got one of those businesses where I'm thinking, oh, crap, that's me. What advice do you have for those people?
2: Um, My advice is to know your weaknesses. So ask your customers, what could we be doing better? And don't be afraid to, to hear that, even though it can hurt to get negative feedback and just be very hungry to do better. Because the minute we stop being interested in how we can improve as people and as businesses, that's the beginning of the end. So we always have to be on a growth path. And if we're not growing, we're dying. So if you're interested in living, thriving, succeeding as a human or as a business person, we constantly have to be interested in how to do better. Um, Even for me, I'm always working on myself. I was just in, I have a coach for my speaking business. Uh, I'm, you know, I have a coach at the gym, I'm always just pushing myself. Um, And I always try and hang out with people that are smarter than me. And um, because I, I always want to be improving and learning. And that's the only reason I'm surviving. And I think the minute we stop caring about how to do better, and we get bored, or tired, that's a moment to take a pause and say, okay, something's not right. And it sounds like very, like a very anxious approach to life. But the truth is, life is always changing and evolving and we have to be open to growth or else we, you know, it's not good.
1: Yeah. You know what you, you had an interesting line in chapter six that really resonated with me that it, it, it basically just sum it up as technology needs to be part of your customer experience strategy. Um, which really that resonated with me personally that um, I think a lot of people, we, we're picking out a CRM because we want to boost our sales or support our sales teams better, or we're going to buy an ERP because we want our operations team to be able to have better data or whatever. But those, to me, I've never heard anybody really talk about, hey, we're buying this because we want to improve the customer experience.
2: Wow, um, that's scary.
1: Yeah, what, talk about, I mean, what's your perspective on that?
2: There's a lot of innovation now with technology. Even if you think of yourself as a customer, imagine the last transaction you had with an e-commerce company. Now we have even voice dictation on our watch. So some companies like Rothy's Shoes, you can shop for the shoes through the voice dictation or make changes or have a customer service interaction. So it's always about making the customer's life easier and better technology can be a great help in doing that. And if you're not in the business of making customers' lives easier and better, then you won't be in business for a long time. So these companies that are very much, uh, that's the, the big issue actually that you're describing right now, that's the big misstep is that we are so often so internally focused. We have our own jargon, our own language. If a customer came and sat in on an internal meeting, their eyes would be crossed. They wouldn't understand. So we have to get out of our own way, get out of our own heads and understand that the technology should not just be purchased for technology's sake. It should really have a palpable impact on customer experience.
1: Blake, it's been great. We're coming up on our time here on Sales Lead Dog. It's been great listening to you The name of the book is The Customer of the Future. Um, It's available on Amazon. Um, uh, You also, what is your other book? You want to talk about your other book as well?
2: Yeah, my first book was called More is More. And it's really an introduction to customer experience, how the best companies work harder and go farther to create. Knock your socks off customer experiences. It's always about hard work up front to enjoy life later. It's all. It's like how we all are in our personal lives. It's the same as in business. We can work hard now to create better experiences for our customers later, or we can learn the hard way when our customers leave us and have to ke- play catch up. So it's really an approach to life about being proactive, hungry, willing to hear the hard things, excited to work on ourselves and our businesses. And it's, to me, it's a mindset that is more helpful because if you work harder now, I mean, wouldn't you want to make your future self make their life easier? I certainly would for myself. And so it's the same with business. We can do a good job now. And then later we'll have more customers and it'll be easier.
1: Yep. I love it. Blake, again, thank you for coming on Sales Lead Dog. We're going to have all of Blake's contact info on uh, in our show notes, so you can check that out there. But Blake, if people uh, want to reach out and connect, they want to learn more about your speaking engagements or just connect with you in general, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: Yeah, I would love for folks to find me on LinkedIn or visit me, blakemichellemorgan.com. Thank you so much, Chris. I really enjoyed your questions and I wish you the best.
0: Thank you. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube, and you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Sales Lead Dog is supported by Impeller CRM. Delivering objectively better CRM for business. Guaranteed.